Hey, what's up, guys? Jake Steele, ironandsteel.com. This is podcast episode number fucking 23? 23. I'm almost 100% positive. I should have been uh, better prepared with that information. Uh, irrespective of that, thank you very much for being here. As always, it's greatly appreciated. And uh, I feel like I start every week off with this uh, whole thing by saying thank you, as always, for the overwhelming amount of messages that I get every week uh, from people saying how much they enjoy the podcast. Um, unexpected, but greatly appreciated. And uh, as usual, I'll just add the caveat that if you could, don't just tell me. Let your friends and family and coworkers know. Uh, your wife, ex-wife, girlfriend, whatever the fuck you're into. I don't know what you're doing. But no judgment. Just let them know about the Iron and Steel podcast or the website for that matter. Uh, some people do still know how to read. And there are about 40 or so articles on the site with photos and a whole bunch of other cool shit. So... Uh, you can always, if they're not a podcast person, uh, if they are literate and have an internet connection, you can direct them to ironandsteel.com. And uh, in either case, I appreciate it. So uh, this week, oh, and speaking of messages, one of the themes of these messages that I get that I didn't realize uh, that I was doing was a lot of people mention that they enjoy the quote rants and... Uh, I didn't realize I was a rant guy. I mean, I guess I kind of did, but I didn't realize that was the um, what this podcast uh, sort of smacked of. But apparently I'm the rant guy. And uh, so I started noticing people mentioning that they, you know, like the Q&A and the rants and all this stuff. So uh, I happened across a an article that I wrote a few years ago, a couple years ago, maybe on the site that is uh, basically a 10 minute long rant. So <laughs> I figured I would read that for you today. Uh, when we're done with that, I will do some uh, q and I've been neglecting a few questions uh, over the last few weeks. So uh, we'll get to that. There's probably five or six questions that I'll answer at the end of the podcast. So stick around for that. But uh, yeah, this particular article uh, again, on the website, it is called Inventing History. And it's just an observation. It's not a rant. Maybe it is, but it's just simply an observation uh, that I've made uh, about people sort of fudging or, you know, kind of making shit up when it comes to the significance of their car and its story. So... Anyway, I wrote a story. It's called Inventing History, and uh, I'll read it to you now. You can see it on the site, ironandsteel.com. While you're there, again, not to beat a dead horse, which I don't know why you would do that because that's fucked up. Where did that even come from, that phrase? You ever think about that? Beating a dead horse is fucked. What's wrong with you guys? Uh, not to beat a dead horse, but on the subject of the site, ironandsteel.com, hit the subscribe button. Punch in your email. Yeah, I'm going to email you once or twice a week. It's going to be just to let you know when there is uh, a fresh article or a new podcast. Just, you know, reminder emails to let you know that there's new content either on the site or on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. So, uh, again, ironandsteel.com. Hit subscribe. It takes two seconds. Don't be a lazy puke. Just go there do it. Not a big deal. You don't even have to tell your wife that you did it. 
All right. Again, Inventing History is the name of this story. Thank you, as always, for being here. It is very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, at the end, we'll do some Q&A and then we'll say our goodbyes. So uh, again, thank you very much for being here. And uh, here we go. We are all eager to own a car with rich history, right? You know what I'm talking about. One of those sort of heavy hitters from that bygone era that we're so obsessed with. Cars that have practically become household names. And for those with the good fortune to be able to afford such a thing, it is possible. Occasionally, these cars do become available. Jack Calori's 36 Coupe is a great example of a truly exceptional and historically significant car with a ton of documented history that has recently popped up for sale. Of course, as you may have noticed, I'm a bit partial to 1936 Fords, so naturally the Pearson 36 3 window also comes to mind right away as well. But what about the rest of us? The ones that don't own a Calori Coupe or a Pearson 36. What about us regular guys with nine to fives and just a regular sized budget? How does our desire to be included with this sort of history fetish play out? Well, I hate to say it, but it seems to me like some of us are just inventing it. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. And feel free to take this with a grain of salt. And I'm not referring to anyone in particular. I'm simply describing a trend that I've noticed more and more lately. It goes like this. A guy buys an old car. Maybe it has some sort of distinguishing feature or maybe he hears the name of the guy that used to own it. So he goes on the hunt for some backstory. And after a while, he's able to piece together some small bits of history and he finds the original builder's name. And strictly as an example and for the purpose of this story, let's say that that guy's name was Bill Burnside. So now, the current owner tracks the family down. Bill's daughter gives him one grainy black and white photo and some ambiguous story about how it was a, quote, well-known car back in the day. Now, all of a sudden, this guy doesn't just have some old car. He has, drum roll please, the Bill Burnside Coupe. Is anyone else noticing this trend? It's as if some of us are assigning significance to cars that in reality were just some guy's hot rod back in the day. Essentially patching together a tale and presenting it as provenance. Is it just me? Maybe. Now, don't get me wrong. I am by no means discounting 
anyone's story. And in fact, it's the stories associated with these things that excite me almost as much as the cars themselves. I think they're great, every single one of them. But I do have to chuckle when someone tells me that they own the Bill Burnside coupe completely out of context. As if I'm going to know about some guy's high school hot rod that was written up in the fucking Stillwater, Minnesota Gazette in 19-fucking-64. Here's another example. Through some investigative work, I found out that my 1936 Ford five-window coupe was originally turned into a custom hot rod in 1959 by a gentleman named Jack Swan of Salem, Oregon. In fact, I located Jack and his wife, Sherry, and I went down to meet him. And in the end, I learned everything about my car from 1957 when Jack bought it originally until 1998 when it was sold to Wayne Mahaffey. Yes, that Wayne Mahaffey. I ended up with dozens of old photos that document the transition from mild custom to dedicated drag car in the later part of the 1960s and all the way into the 70s. It was everything that I had hoped for in terms of my car's story. But in the end, it's just the story of some local hot rod. I don't now own a historical car, even though the Jack Swan Coupe does have kind of a ring to it. So what does a car need in order to have real history or to be considered a piece of history? I don't know exactly how to put my finger on it. Maybe it's documentation from the era, magazine coverage, who knows? I'm not really a fan of that either because I think that there were tons of cars that at the time were hugely influential that maybe didn't necessarily get a ton of coverage in the magazines, but were a big deal at the time. I don't know exactly where to draw the line when it comes to how to refer to your car and its history. And in reality, it isn't really up to me to tell you. These are just my observations. So in the end, it's your car and it's your story to tell. And you can tell it however you like. I have noticed though that there are some guys out there doing this just for the purpose to capitalize. These are the guys like the example I mentioned above that are wanting to create a story, but in this case, strictly for financial gain. They'll take a car that was no big fucking deal in the grand scheme of things, trace its unextraordinary history back far enough to assign it a name, then try to spin it as being a historically important car. And there are a few guys around here that uh, make a point of doing that pretty consistently, and it's It is what it is. Again, not my place to tell someone what to do, but 
it does make me chuckle. So, what do you guys think? Am I making this up? Or is this the new trend? Have we run out of actual significant finds and are now relegated to manufacturing history? And most importantly, is my car now worth a whole bunch more money now that I know it's the Jack Swan Coupe? Okay, there you have it. Inventing history. Again, ironandsteel.com is a website. You can go there and check that story out for yourself. Uh, I would recommend doing that. There's some photos of, oh, let's see. In that article, there's some photos of my 36-5-1-0 that I mentioned briefly in that story. Um, they're old photos from the 50s and 60s of the different versions of that car from a hot rod, custom hot rod to a full-blown race car, basically. So. I included him in that article just as, you know, placeholders basically, but the, the photos are cool if you're into that shit. So uh, again, ironandsteel.com is the website. While you're there, hit the subscribe button, punch in your email. I'm going to give you two good reasons to do that real quick right now. So reason number one, the third of the series of three serial killer t-shirts uh, is almost done. So sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'll have that available. And uh, when it's available, I'll send an email out to everybody that's on the list. So if you're one of these fucking absolute weirdos that bought the first two, you're probably going to want to know about the third. And uh, that's coming up here pretty quick. So <clears throat> if you're not subscribed, hop over there and hit subscribe and then you can be kept up to date when that's available. Second reason, here in the next few days, I'm going to release the first of a series of two articles that I've written about eSpace being custom. So if you're listening to this, you're familiar, most definitely familiar with eSpace being custom. And um, you're probably familiar with the 36.3 window that they chopped for me and all that stuff. So I wrote like a super long article about that process and uh, it was so long I just broke it up into two. The first article is kind of more of the setup of, you know, the getting the car, making contact with Brandon, kind of becoming friends with him and, and logistically figuring out how to get my car to the finish line, basically. So that's kind of the first article. And then the second article really focuses a lot more on Brandon himself as a person and East Bay as a shop. So it's interesting if you're at all curious about kind of what those guys are all about um, the articles are pretty in-depth and uh, and interesting so that's the second reason why you should hit the subscribe button punch in your email because every time there's a new article I send an email blast to everybody on the list um, same thing you know new podcast new article new merch whatever um, I'll just send an email out to let everybody know and then that way you can uh, be kept up to date on what's going on with iron and steel so uh, at the beginning, I mentioned that we would do some Q&A. So I've got a big pile of questions that I've been neglecting. I just grabbed a fistful of them here really quick and we'll blast through them. And I can already tell we're going to run a little bit long. So we'll probably do five or six of these and then say our goodbyes. So <clears throat> the first question was, isn't it hard to sell? Do you not grow an emotional connection with these cars? 
So for me, there are two categories of cars. Um, the first one are cars that I own that are mine that I've bought or built or combination of the two that are sort of the keepers. Okay. Those cars don't really go anywhere. And then there's a group of cars that come and go. These are cars that I buy, you know, just for the only reason is just to flip them basically. Right? So those cars, I purposely make a really specific point to not grow attached to those cars because I mean, let's face it. If I did, I would have 300 cars and I'd be divorced and <laughs> living in a box in a shop with, although I would be surrounded by a bunch of bitching cars. So eh, maybe that's not all bad, but yeah, no. So the cars that come and go, I don't get emotionally attached to those because I know that they're not going to stay very long. That's just, that's the end of that. So, uh, patina or paint was the next question. I'm a shiny paint guy. I like nice cars. Um, with some exceptions, my exception, I have a 32, three window that I could never, I could never paint that car for a bunch of reasons, but I would just, I wouldn't get the return out of that car if I painted it. So money wise or enjoyment wise, um, it's got a nice kind of, you know, old patina look to it, you know, to paint it right 30, 40 grand. And I'm just not into it. So, you know. In most cases, I like a nice shiny car with some exceptions. My exception is this 32 coupe and just kind of is what it is. But uh, yeah, in nine times out of 10, I like a nice shiny, you know, well done car. I'm not really a patina guy, but uh, you know, there are exceptions to every rule, I guess. Uh, any chance of making long sleeve fuck politics t-shirts? Uh, yeah, in the future, that might be a thing. I might... I might sort of change the way that some of this stuff is produced. So <clears throat> long story short, if that happens, then the possibilities will be infinite as far as um, what I can do on what. So yeah, fuck politics shirts probably will be hoodies and long sleeves and all that stuff here in the near future. So <clears throat> excuse me, favorite car at Galpin Auto. So uh, if you don't know, I went to an event at Galpin Speed Shop and uh, Pat Canal's Celebration of Life was there a few weeks ago. So <clears throat> I had never been there before. And uh, the only word I can use to describe it is overwhelming. So it's really tough to answer the question of what what's my favorite car, you know, there. I, I guess the only thing I can tell you is the car I enjoyed seeing the most was the Hero Hot Merc. And the only reason is, you know, I'm not really a Merc guy necessarily, but uh, the amount of history that that car has, <clears throat> the fact that it's, you know, restored back to the, you know, original version and just the car's story is really appealing to me. And so, and it's a really famous car, you know, and, and so it's it's shocking to see these cars up close and, you know, you can get right up to them and, and touch them almost, um, you know, if you were a dick, but, uh, you know, you can get right up to them and, and look at them, you know, up close. And, you know, this is the car that you've been looking at in magazines for 30 years or whatever. And it's, it's amazing. So, uh, that place is totally overwhelming. I couldn't tell you what my quote favorite car was, but, uh, I can tell you, I enjoyed seeing the hero, how car, hero, how car the most. So hopefully that answers that question. 
<clears throat> um, what is this? I must have posted a question on top of a picture of my 32 that's in prog progress because it says what diff is in that thing. If you're talking about the 32 Ford, the diff that's in it's a, let's see, 56 olds. So, uh, do you see junkyards as a thing of the past? Dude, I haven't been to a fucking junkyard <laughs> in like 20 years. <clears throat> so, as far as I'm concerned, junkyards have been a thing of the past forever. I, you know, junkyards the way that we would like to see them, you know, with bitching old cars that you can go in there and pull parts off of. Those really haven't existed for ever. I mean, at least not a around here. There's a bunch of junkyards around here, but, you know, unless I need a window switch for a 2004 Toyota Tacoma, there's really not much there for me. So, as far as I'm concerned, junkyards are a, are a thing of the past, basically. So, <clears throat> this question was kind of funny. <laughs> it says, what are your thoughts on all these scam accounts that are listing other people's parts for sale and ripping people off? <laughs> um, how do I say this without being a dick? <clears throat> Scammers are something that we're going to have to deal with. Um, it's just a reality. But uh, my thoughts are you need to be smarter <laughs> so you don't get ripped off, right? So, okay. If you see a part for sale, let's say you're on Instagram, you go to the account. The account's called Hot Rat Rod Parts For You. <laughs> and it's got, you know, 50, 75 posts, whatever. And every post is like the most top tier shit you've ever seen. You know, it's like... E&J headlights and winter front grills and 32 grills and uh, Halibrands and magnesium spindle mounts fucking 671 blower like if everything there is top tier and priced really well it's probably a scam dude like <laughs> you know you can look at these these accounts and, and figure it out if you're not like totally fucking retarded I guess but uh, yeah, so that's my thought. You know, scammers have been around since the first guy sold something, right? So we've just got to figure out how to, you know, as they kind of progress and get better, we need to get better about, you know, spotting them. And, you know, to me, like, <laughs> I have I know personally a few guys that have, you know, lost 400 bucks or 600 bucks or whatever, and they just, they fucking just can't believe it. He was a scammer. And I look at the account and it's like, dude are you fucking dumb <laughs> like this is an obvious scammer so anyway i don't know it's a sad thing there's nothing worse than a thief or and a scammer or whatever but uh yeah basically you guys need to sack up use your fucking brain so you don't get ripped off that's kind of how i feel about that so anyway um there's a fucking shitload more questions but uh we're already running long so for now let's say our goodbyes um Next week's podcast, I'm not quite sure what it's going to be just yet. I might put a thing up on Instagram and let you guys vote. There's two articles that I'm kind of torn between, but, uh, <clears throat> or maybe if I'm feeling spry, maybe I'll, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could read the first, uh, East Bay article since it'll be out by this time next week. Anyway. Yeah, we'll see. Um, again, ironandsteel.com. Go there, hit the subscribe button, punch in your email. Then you can be kept up to date on all this shit that's going down. Uh, thank you again for being here. I do greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, 
I'll talk to you guys again in exactly seven days.